This episode of the This Week in XR podcast is brought to you by our friends at Zapper. Zapper's XR Pioneers Conference is back on October 11th for its third year. And once again, you can learn how to take your business from ordinary to extraordinary using immersive technologies. Zapper's free user conference brings together thousands of designers, developers, marketers, and strategists to take their work to the next level. They have a great conference lineup, including a This Week in XR special, where myself and Roni will be hosting a one-off panel featuring former head of XR at Disney, John Snoddy, and Zapper CEO, Casper Thykier. We'll be covering the past, present, and future of the wonderful world of XR. Through real-world examples, we'll share how people are using XR to change the way they communicate across their marketing, packaging, learning, training, and development to drive better results. Discover how to take advantage of the XR tools of the future and propel your business in a new era of growth and engagement. Carving out just a little time in your day to tune in live will give you access to exclusive sessions, industry deep dives, workshops, and technical demonstrations, giving you access to some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the industry. Save your spot now for October 11th and register at zapper.com backslash XR. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, September 15th. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Chilowitz and Roni Abovitz for This Week in XR. Uh, we have a great guest this morning, uh, Anna Belova. Uh, she is the founder and CEO of Dever. Uh, they have a number of initiatives, including MyWebAR, uh, a free ARFX uh, generator uh, for smartphones. So I uh, look forward to hearing more about her business. I've known her for about seven years and she is a relentless entrepreneur and, and a great role model for uh, anybody who's seriously thinking about starting a company because you don't get rich quick. Right, Ronnie? You don't do it to get rich. Well, and, and speaking of that concept of relentless entrepreneurs, I've been listening to another podcast, not ours, uh, called Huberman Lab uh, out of a, uh, I don't know if you guys have listened to it, but a friend of mine recommended it to me over the weekend. And uh, there's a, a really interesting interview with um, Mark Andreessen that he does. Uh, and Andreessen talks about the concept of entrepreneurs learning to like the taste of blood in their mouths from just being punched over and over and over again <laughs> and knocked down over and over and over again by people that don't want your concept, don't want your product, don't believe in you, don't believe in your team. And the entrepreneurs that succeed are the ones that just learn to like getting knocked down over and over again and getting back up. Would you can, agree, can I Rory? reinforce how true that is? Um, yeah, uh, everyone should go back and watch the original Rocky movie, the original Stallone movie, where he is simply bloody to a pulp, but refuses to die, refuses yep. to quit. And, and, you know, if you look at Apollo Creed, just like bewildered, like this guy just won't die. He just won't stop. And he's just taking it. That's you as a founder. If you want to do it, you're willing to get punched in the face that, that many times. Yeah, he is right. You have to learn to love the taste of that, and and I think there's a kind of strange neurologic damage that happens to you as a founder because uh, <laughs> look that relentlessness that you're talking about, Charlie. You have to have a. You're almost like the pit bull that never lets go. Even if you if you cut the body away from the head, it's still going. You know, like the, Yeah, that's that's a founder. <laughs> Do you guys know the um, the original uh, web domain for what became Amazon, Amazon.com? Do you know what Jeff Bezos' initial name for his company was? Mm -mm. 
Want to take a guess? Mississippi? <laughs> relentless. Relentless.com. That was his domain. <laughs> and if you type in relentless.com, Roni, do it right now, or the listeners do it right now at home. Type in relentless.com and see where it, it redirects you to Amazon. He still owns it. I love that. That is a very There it is. Here's my Amazon homepage. He still owns it. Relentless.com. That's All awesome. Right. Well, in the spirit of fun, one of the top stories this week was that um, a UFO hunter uh, brought into the Mexican Congress two little coffins yeah. uh, which contained mummies that looked like E.T. Uh, and apparently they were discovered in the Andes in someplace near Cusco. And uh, so it's, they've had them since 2017. Supposedly there's some controversy about their DNA. Uh, are it, we really it, going here? Are, are we? Are wait, we wait, wait. Here's the part I know that you'll love, Roni. At the same time, NASA announced that they're going to take UFOs more seriously, and they've offered, they're opened, they've appointed a chief investigator. But the identity of the chief investigator is going to be a secret to protect them from harassment. Uh, Roni is playing with AR effects. Uh, in the Zoom, he's got butterfly eyes. There we go. This yeah. is in honor of this topic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in in all in all seriousness, I'm a guy that wants to believe, right? I I, I have to imagine you guys are too. Watch the documentaries. Watch all the cheesy stuff. But you know, I, I'm I'm you know one of those guys that believes statistically there's got to be another place in this vast. Well, that's universe. I mean, it's, it's it's just you're substituting a belief in God. That's all. Yes, I just <laughs> want to believe so bad. And little miniature coffins with little miniature aliens is just the most adorable thing ever. <laughs> Can I say this? If you're going to do something that ridiculous, like hire Weta Workshop and build really <laughs> good looking aliens. Right, right? exactly. Why like, do you base your alien so on bad. ET? This is like high school paper mache stuff. Go build a re- like Weta can build a damn good alien or, or, or Lucasfilm or something. Don't I mean like if you're gonna present it to the Mexican government, like go all the way, spend a couple million, you know, and then oh wow, they look real, you know. Like, but but yeah. don't give us the cheesy garbage weekly world news crap. I wish it wasn't Mexico, I have to say. I wish it was the U.S. or some other Western, you know, advanced Western country, although I guess Mexico is. So I don't know. They must have nut jobs in their uh, in in their government as well to to even let that happen. And of course, it's been percolating in the news cycle because the little E.T. pictures, they look just like the mo- E.T. for the movie. But, but you know, it's going to be sad. did not go home. <laughs> Charlie, what'll be sad is at some point on, on a Mars or something, we'll discover like a little tiny squid like alien thing like a few cells and people will be like it'll look like plankton and it'll be like who cares yeah like we will find genuine scientifically valid something at some point but it'll look like you know something like oh look at this plankton thing under a microscope and it, we found it in like a mars well deep underground and no one will care that's the sad thing they they don't care about the real science of it they want an et spaceship thing with like you know big googly eye that's not likely what we're gonna find so um on to a more serious story uh there was a um ai forum uh in 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 the u.s senate hosted by uh senator schumer uh that featured pretty much a who's who of tech uh including bill gates and sam altman but you know mark zuckerberg sundar pinchai um, Jensen Huang, I, you know, I, I don't know who wasn't there, I guess, um, 
Tim Cook wasn't there from Apple, but uh, it's interesting because a similar uh, meeting took place at the White House six weeks ago, and they yeah. formed a toothless organization called the Frontier Model Forum. Uh, I guess it hasn't been built yet, but that's supposedly a self-imposed regulatory body that would monitor the development of AI and, I guess, somehow enforce uh, some rules. Well, the, so, the, this thing, this thing, you know, certainly got mainstream news. I watched CNN coverage of it. It wasn't just in the trades. Uh, it it felt like uh, a little bit like the um, the they just sort of did the guest list for the sun. Valley Conference and brought them to Washington. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty, pretty sort of almost comical. And I think the best uh, piece of comment I heard about it, commentary, was it's very much fox in the hen house disease, right? It's all of the guys that have a dog or many dogs in the hunt or their billionaire or multi-billion dollar bet dogs in the hunt trying to protect humanity and and uh, it is the fox in the hen house, right? That's the best way to describe it. It's like, well, yeah, I it's get the, it. I know it's the fox explaining why why everything is fine in the hen house. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. The um, so I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it feels and that they're, that they're going to be that the ones that own it are going to be the great protectors, right? And and that's a of course. A, well, let's stop development for everyone else, right? Right. right. Uh, or slow it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I look, look there. We can go on about this for hours, but but here's what here's what I just want to pick up on Ted's Fox and Henhouse. What really is needed is a group of people that are not with a deep vested interest in, in shaping the government's regulatory uh, mind at what they really want. Um, and and I think it's like it sounds it sounds very cynical, but like a lot of these folks think the government is are just people have no idea what they're doing, right? And they could just run rings around them, and this is like a piece of cake, like. LeBron playing basketball against like like middle school kids. And unfortunately it is. Like the, the US government does not have enough people who have that kind of AI power to stand up against that group that went there. And that group's telling them this is this is what we need to do and that's fine, but that's not right. What the government needs is like a brain trust of people who are not those folks. Yeah. Who really understand AI and who can actually put in regulations to protect the future. Uh, both this country and the world from like the the misuse, right? Like this happened in FAA, this happened in medical devices. There's industries that are regulated um, and you can't have the Fox do it, right? And unfortunately, when you look at the history of like, why do we have aircraft, airplane, automotive, medtech med um, uh, regulations? Because a lot of people died before they did it. And what we don't want to have happen is those events where really bad Chernobyl-like things happen with AI. We just want to avoid that. So unfortunately, like the government usually doesn't react until there's a Chernobyl, yeah. right? But you can't have the nuclear reactor designers being the ones coming up with the regulations, right? They should be part of it. But you need like folks on the other side that are that are very objective, that are looking at this clear-eyed, you know, not in a panicky way, just building up strong regs like you do for medtech, like you do for the FAA. And and not allow that amount of bias to to sort of corrupt the process. Um, so it, it is a bit disheartening. It's heartening that it's happening, but disheartening the way it's happening. Uh, I don't know I, if any, anyone from the U.S. government's listening to us, but like guys, we need to do a little better on this. So let's let's speed up and hit just uh, two more stories. Uh, but related, uh, Stability AI, a company we haven't talked about enough, probably uh, just launched Stability Audio. So now you can generate a soundtrack up to a 90 second soundtrack for a subscription fee. So this is going to be a web-based subscription, no more open source. Uh, I think the company has uh, experienced uh, a lot of 
uh, both positive and negative feedback over having no business plan. So it sounds like they're uh, now kind of moving in that direction. I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen their last open source model. Uh, but nonetheless, I, what do you guys think? Is this st is stable audio going to be as big as stable diffusion? I mean, all these are pieces of a of a very large research and development project of humanity, right? Like, what what are you going to use? How are you going to use it? I think the 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 important part of, about this is less about the raw technology. There's a whole bunch of companies experimenting with using AI audio, you know, to to duplicate voices and build soundtracks and do all this stuff. That's already kind of hyper competitive space. The question is to your to your uh, comments, Charlie. Where is the business model? Is the business model viable? Um, you know who's who's going to pay for it. I mean, Google proved that the ad model was the the profitability for search model that people didn't want to pay to be on the internet and search things that they would be more than happy to to let their data be the product, right? And yeah. sort of drive it in that fashion. The question is, with the power of AI, is humanity going to be the dynamic that will let the product hmm. let us be the product again, right? And that's really problematic. Charlie, I think we have a decade of churn and chaos here. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a great way to put it. And and then I think in the 2030s, you'll have like winners and, and, and the losers will be yeah. piled on the side of the road. Yeah. I, I think what's happening is uh, investors are throwing money at everything. And for, for folks listening who don't understand why, why there are tens of billions, hundreds of billions being thrown, because they see a tens of trillions of dollars economic transformation. It's that big. Yeah. Um, so the amount of money they're putting in is yeah. like a thousandth, even if it's the many billions, like a thousandth of the economic change they think. Is gonna they're, yeah, they're not going to miss the Internet this time. No, no. So I <clears throat> guess so here's two kind of quasi funny stories. First of all, Anna Mocha just invested 20 million in the Mocha verse. Uh, supposedly, Yatsu is behind it personally as well. Uh, it's a NFT collection that would allow on-chain identities for the token holders and allow participation in the Mochaverse ecosystem with the Mocha ID. It's a very, very Web3, uh, but $20 million uh, is still a lot of money. And so uh, Anna Mocha, whose investments have been just crushed in the uh, crypto correction, uh, is uh, still going at it and still has some resources so uh feels, feels a little dollar late doesn't it feels a little day late dollar late kind of like uh that ship has sailed and crashed on the rocks already pretty pretty significantly but you know can you guys find another example where someone comes in so late to the party and actually turns this really interesting corner and like oh well now it works you know well, I, I just pile on that really quick yeah. uh, like let's just let's just i'm going to do one of these jumping off the ropes with charlie just going like this um <laughs> But um, look, I think we went from a very weird moment where a Beeple sells a JPEG uh, for $69 million and Bored Apes sell for a million, two million, three million a JPEG to within a year, uh, one of my friends, David Holtz at MidJourney, spitting out infinite plenty uh, of anything you want in JPEG or TIFF form infinitely at near zero cost mm -hmm. and just completely devastates the idea that you can create scarcity in the digital domain there's scarcity in the physical world at least on earth until we explore space but the idea that scarcity in digital means anything 
I think like AI is blowing that up left and right. I think the AI monster came and ate the fragile scarcity, the fake digital scarcity monster. It keeps coming back because people want it to be true, but it's, can I say bullshit on, on the thing? It's bullshit. Well, of course. Of course. Whereas the infinite plenty is not. The fact that AI could spit out infinite images forever and it will, and it's going to get better and better at it or infinite audio or infinite. It's basically going, nothing is scarce in the digital world. Nothing at all. All right, last um, last story, and is in the waiting room. Uh, apparently, IVAS has been given another stay of execution. Uh, this project has nine lives. I don't know how it's ever going to work, but apparently they had a field test in which the Marines did not say it was going to get them killed. So uh, I guess they're, I guess we'll keep following along and see, uh, but uh, Microsoft has not been talking about the HoloLens a whole lot lately. Yeah, so any Charlie, any insights as to what this – military grade device will look like because the 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 modified hololens clearly wasn't what they wanted right so and and the hololens itself seems to not have a that that particular hololens 2 product doesn't seem to have a hardware future so nothing can i can i can i just enter because i i know way too much about this including what's happening now Uh, i'll say this the government greatly reduced the award it's giving microsoft but the need for some group of companies to build it for them, I think it's not only going to be Microsoft. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of companies trying to make this work because the folks who need it really badly need it. And unfortunately, what they er- got early on wasn't what they really needed. But I don't think it's going to stop. But don't think of it as a Microsoft-only delivery. I think there's a number of players who are actively working on it to to really deliver something that the the guys who put themselves at risk every day for the US they they really need this. So it's sort of a shame that it's taken so many years of stumbling, but I hope Microsoft and the other players really do get it right because if I spend time with those guys who need it, and you just feel terrible for them and it's like taken so many years to give it to them, you know. I will say this because I wrote a story about this uh two years ago maybe. Um but I did get to talk to a general and some other the and some of the uh, you know, regular, you know, engineering people who are working on the project with Microsoft, and they're really down. I mean, they are big believers, and they had no reason to to lie to me. I mean, I think they were very passionate about it and thought it would work. So uh, they do have advocates and true believers uh, in this project inside of the military and the Pentagon. So, uh, and, uh, you know, by the way, I mean, military's first adopters, guys in the military, men, women, they love gadgets. They love stuff. So, you know, there is a, a rationale for doing this. Um, but I think it's it's when you take it out under con- combat conditions, uh, where it really has to perform flawlessly, otherwise you get killed. I think that's very hard for computer technology. Forget about the spatial computing part. So, uh, but uh, obviously, a wearable. The wearables are getting, uh, you know, the sat phones. You know, all of that technology has been getting just better and better. Night vision. You kind you, you of figure it's going to come together in one wearable. Um, it, it just makes so much sense. Uh, you know, you could identify friendlies and I, there's just all sorts of great applications. You could have an eagle a bird's eye view of a battlefield. Uh, just, you know, uh, I, I agree. There's a huge need for it, but uh, I think the challenges are also, you know, I think I've said this before, that's a lot of technology to put in one device. They could have started with assisted reality and gotten pretty far until, uh, the technology would allow them to, you know, throw it up in your field of view all the time. 
my three cents on that one. But I, it's a great story. I hope it. I'm glad to see it's going to keep coming. Let's let's bring in Anna. Anna is a founder and CEO, and she, as I said in the introduction, is a CEO CEO. I mean, Anna sees me or some other influential person or potential partner or customer. She is standing next to them in a flash, uh, completely unafraid to put herself out there. Uh, that's why I love her so much. Anna, welcome, and thank you for coming on the show. Hey. Hi, everyone. Uh, I don't You've you've met Ted, I think, uh, and uh, and of course Ro Roni needs no introduction. Uh, but um, great to meet you. Great to meet you, Anna. Likewise. So, uh, where are you right now? Now in LA. So you are you in a hotel, friend's house? Looks like might be a hotel. <laughs> no, it's, it's like a friend's house. <laughs> Ted, Ted, is, Ted has got Ted has got hotel going. Yeah, I've got a hotel this week. I'm up in Northern California this week. <laughs> And your company is in Northern California? Yeah, so usually we are Bay Area, but uh, I have some business to you in uh, LA. So, um, and you can so, where. So my class just did a project. I had them use my web AR. Which exactly. is, yeah, so uh, it was really fun. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that when it launched and how it's doing? Yeah, uh, with pleasure. Let me start like a little uh, story why we started to do it because uh, it, it it makes sense. And uh, as you know, I started to work in augmented reality since 2015, like one of the early adapters. And uh, we always trying to find a way how we can make AR like a technology available for everyone, not only just from the tech people, but also for usual consumer and business because we truly believe that augmented reality is a technology that definitely changed a lot of in our everyday lives. So, and our first venture was to create some products for children with AR. It's a book when you can open and scan a page and see how dinosaurs comes to life. So we sold 13 million copies worldwide, and now it's selling in 74 countries and 27 languages. And when I saw it, I understood what we can make um, the tool or way how people can do it from their business itself. And it's just like one of the factors why we launched our platform, my web AR. But in a high level, it's a no code platform that allows to um, create any AR experience without technical skills. Charlie, you can, you can postpone this. It's like Virtual technology that allows me from every Zoom call, but you can just deny it. No, 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 no. I, it's perfectly fine. I have an AI assistant following me around transcribing uh, conversations as well. I find it unbelievably useful. Yes. Um, I, I've not, I, I see you're using Otter Pilot, which I've not heard of. I use Fireflies uh, AI, but uh, I definitely recommend it. And uh, it's absolutely welcome in our conversation. Uh, but I think it's it, it's topical because you have added some AI elements to my web AR, right? Yeah, because so generally, like in a high level, we believe that augmented reality it's like it's like a supervision for human. Imagine that you can see a world but never exist, and you can change everything using technology. And of course, AI and AR 
It's a two technology that can help you in it. And it's not only about the creation or using it like for business or products or create something for yourself. It's also about safety. It's also about how we can change the world. And so generally our platform allows to create again. So any AR experience without technical skills. I'm not a programmer. I don't know how code, but I can create any AR experience just only two minutes. And it's perfectly fine uh, for business of people who never tried to do it. The second, uh, yes, you mentioned that we used um, generative technology. And yeah, it's one of our, uh, our challenge because I truly believe that we can make programming process very simple, but also we need to make creation process also very simple and uh, for example today we use uh, our technology text to 3d when you can create a whole 3d model just only text text prompts of course it's just like a first way and in the future it will develop more and more but today <laughs> you can't imagine what people ask ai to create like on a 3d model and sometimes it's really surprising but generally today, our users can use this technology for creating some props or some environment or some something from where 3D project. And you can make it just like only two minutes. And for me, it's incredible because I remember the time when we need to have like three or six months and a whole team of designers and programmers to create just one product with AR. Now you just need you your imagination, and 10 minutes from your laptop. So so what Anna's talking about, you can try it yourself. You just go to mywebar.com. It kind of looks like you're spelling mywebar.com <laughs> for those in America. But type in that domain name and you'll get examples and, and demos and trials. Um, I'm curious, Anna, can you tell us a little bit about the evolution of the company? Um, how big is the company? How are you generating revenue for the company? Give give our listeners sort of a sense of, we were talking at the beginning of the show about the, the relentless entrepreneur of which you uh, identify with and that you've been in this for a while. You're fighting the good fight. You're achieving some really good um, uh, objectives. But let us know, kind of, you know, give us a little background on the company and where it started, how it started, how big it is, how you're doing. Okay, so first I think... Our main background and our main value is our passion for AR. We are a little crazy about it. And uh, I can talk about it hours. But uh, so my team is uh, really passionate about computer vision, technology. And from another hand, how to explain it and make it like available for usual people. And my team, uh, we worked like from a different side, we understand the technology, but we also understand if we go into a walk or go into a street and ask a usual people, do you know what is it and how it works? We need to make it accessible for them. So my team is uh, about now 40 people who works directly about the platform. We have a lot of engineers uh, with deeply technologies in computer vision, generative uh, AR and others. My uh, second team uh, continue works from the products with books for augmented reality because it's uh, 
it's really care when uh, you see how millions of children in the world can go to a space. So it just just like for me. But uh, yeah, so we are profitable, we generative, we are growing, we are growing very fast. Uh, like we need just only one year to be one of the two most popular web AR platform in the world. And we continue growing today uh, among our customers and users, big companies like Google, Colgate, McDonald's, different brands, Nasdaq, Wix, but also a lot of small and medium businesses. And now what's curious, about 70% of our users didn't have any experience with augmented reality before. It means that we're looking some solution, but we didn't have uh, the opportunity to use some professional programming tools. We need to try to find something we can do it themselves. Because imagine that you are like a small bakery on the main street and you want to add augmented reality for your menu. How you can do it if you don't have any skills or special team? Right. Right. Uh, I remember when I met you uh, in 2017, uh, <laughs> I, I said to you I was doing an augmented reality, an AR-enabled book. And you said, oh, I've got AR-enabled books. And she whips out like three or four kids' books that all you, that you would you know use with a mobile phone. Uh, and see, you know, animation and other stuff would pop up out of the pages. Uh, so I thought that was very funny. And I also thought that Dever, which at the time was not very well known, was actually way ahead of everybody, uh, you know, producing these AI. And of course, now Lego and everybody has AI instructions on their, you know, commercial packaging. But, you know, back then in 2015, I don't think people were taking the camera as seriously as they are now. No, it was, you know, it's a, it's a great question because uh, from my side, I saw the whole journey from the people, like uh, how different consumers change their patterns of behavior to use AR in everyday life. Because, for example, a lot of people use it like from the social media, like Snapchat or Instagram. We do some filters or masks and people sometimes didn't understand that it's AR. But on the other hand, I saw a lot of examples when uh, business, like a different companies and with different industries, start to create AR like a part of their products because we understand how we can make it more available or more helpful for their users. Like it's not just only about the books, it's also like about t shirts, postcards. Uh, packaging, it's uh, okay. It's a great example, and a lot of people do it, but mostly from like from marketing campaigns. But for me, the best example when people started to create something we call it digital, like physical product and digital component with AR, because we all understand that in the future, really soon, we will have AR glasses. And uh, we will, and it will change how we interact with the world. And if I have AR glasses and see around, I want to see a lot of AR content around me, just like very seamless. And uh, we will understand like what we see, we can change it, but also imagine what you see on the table and you have a book or postcard or photo from your vacation. And you just look 
and see something in the air and it will be amazing. And what um, do you think is uh, um, limiting people from adopting AR glasses now? Do you have a view in mind of size, shape, weight, price point, quality? Like what, what in your mind is limiting that from being, I mean, it's, it's used in focal sectors, like more enterprise, military, things like that, but what's stopping people from widely using what's there now and what do you need it to become? Uh, it's a good question. I think we first, uh, from the consumer market, is design. Because when people uh, want to like add something from our head, we would like to be stylish. And it's not uh, it's not easy. I, I maybe I understand maybe it's like a little stupid reason. Sorry, but really, people want to have something easy from their glasses. And uh, it, it's it's like a phone because now we can put it in our hand, and it's really easy for us. We understand. But remember, like ten years ago, me fifteen, twenty years ago, people didn't have a mobile phone. It also was something new. I think when we will have, yeah, I understand. When we will have AR glasses and people will try it and see how it's convenient, how it's safety, how it's comfortable, we will change our consumers' behavior. The main question for me, it's not only about wearable, it's also about people need to understand what we will do with AR glasses. And in this case, now we are on the stage when we can all together educate the consumer market to explain them what is augmented reality technology and how we can use it in the everyday life. Because it's like two sides from one game. And I think you're bringing up a very important point because in all of computing, it needed to progress to stylishness, but all the way through, there were bigger and bigger audiences using it because it wasn't on your face. But if you're describing, let's say, the, the key objective for consumer adoption is to look cool, but also do what really good AR tech is supposed to do, then, then to have what the Apple Vision Pro is claiming to be able to do in something like this, we're basically talking about, you know, no wire, runs all day, you know, 100 degree field of view, 6K resolution, no headaches, you know, perfect wireless, all the kind of things like your phone does, but perfected here. Mm -hmm. we're, we're in the 2030s. Um, and I think I think you can actually get a lot of what you described today from like the Apple Vision Pro, the Magic Leap 2, but it isn't, you still have a cable, you have other things going on, but the stylishness you're talking about, I, there's probably another 50 billion uh, or 100 billion in investment needed to compress all the components to get to that all day battery, all the optics perfect to get to what you're describing. So um, I did, what, what's, your, what's your take on that? So, I hope we will have it soon, by the way. Because, um, yeah, soon. Because, so I know it's like a little fantasy. It, it sounds like a little fantasy. I understand that it's, uh, it's a really hard question how to make a real strong device, like and smaller and capable. But we understand that it's definitely will do. And uh, it's, it's, it's a big challenge, of course. And uh, the whole market should to have uh, opportunity to solve a different uh, challenges on this journey. But I hope we will have it because technology is really uh, rapidly market. And uh, tomorrow we can see what we can't imagine yesterday. Yeah. And 
But Anna, like what you're describing, like Snap went for cool and small, but 20 degree field of view in the battery lasts 30 minutes. And on the other extreme, Apple went for 4K resolution, you know, 110, 120 degree field of view, very rich graphics and computing. You want what Apple's doing in something smaller than the Snap form factor. So, which everybody okay. wants, right? But I'm just looking at the disparity of some people went for the fashion, but they have none of the functionality that that you really want and what's exciting about AR. So what do you think wins in the interim? Is so, it people accepting fashion with much less capability or are they willing to wear something bigger but get the full capability? It's like it's like a question, uh, what people uh, want to have today, like... Uh, for example, expensive iPhone with uh, different technology and make stylish, or like more cheaper Android uh, with uh, also maybe stylish, but very cheaper from their budget, right? I think we will have a different type of devices because it's uh, it's also about people. Because for example, who want to pay uh, for quality and stylish, where we are looking always devices that we can for them who want to use like uh, small budget and can use uh, less quality it's also okay but my first my opinion my personal opinion i think with apple uh, like a company who every time make devices stylish and fashion and fashion and really useful We'll find a way how we can do it. Maybe it's normal like in first Apple Vision Pro, of course, but Apple Vision Pro now just like a first step. And the main goal is uh, educate the people how we use augmented reality in the area we'll understand, like collaboration, entertainment, and something. But next, more and more. Do you remember? Of course, you, of course, you remember like your first iPhone. And how you can compare from the latest, it's a big difference. I think that we will see the same. And uh, let's see what the next, uh, what the other players can suggest. I think <clears throat> the one thing I, I would disagree with is I don't think we are going to be seeing uh, consumer glasses that people wear for anything other than special purposes, just sort of casually wear consumer AR glasses. I still think we're years away from that. And certainly the Apple Vision Pro has many things about it which are promising. Uh, you know, they're not all entirely new. They've obviously did what they've always done, which is they package them up uh, in a way that is sort of slicker and more ergonomic. But it's going to be a while before they're affordable and before people see the benefits of using them, which leaves us in mobile AR for another five plus years. And mobile AR is growing. And mobile AR has 700 million uh, monthly uniques just in Snapchat. But there are 4 billion phones that are capable of using the camera to combine, as you say, uh, digital, <laughs> the digital and the physical world. And everybody has got a smartphone. The other thing that happened uh, one of the benefits of the pandemic, and obviously there were, were were many, and there were many very problematic things, uh, to say nothing of the health problems it created, but it created a new relationship with our devices, or a deepened relationship with our devices, and an understanding of what a QR code is. 
Right. And the the change in attitude toward a QR code, and I probably should write about this because I think it's sort of undetected but super important because what AR has always needed in a world painted with data, and this is why I think AI can be so important for XR, in a world painted with data, you have to know what data is present and relevant to you. Mm-hmm. Because if it's interrupting you all the time, it's a total nightmare. Um, you know, and it's going to give you, it's going to interrupt you with, with irrelevant information. Nobody wants that. So instead it's going to know what you're doing and what information is locally available. Uh, and, and that is, I believe going to be in part, at least QR code related. Oh, this place is AR enabled, right? I mean, you know, you get, Oh, here's a QR code that might be relevant to you. So I think the QR code, uh, you know, will, will, will continue to grow, but it, it just, we got, it did, there was such, because of every restaurant and food stand in the world <laughs> changed from paper menus to uh, using QR codes, I, using the camera. Uh, I think it's really conditioned people now to look for that. So if you see the QR code on on a consumer product, you're like, oh, let me grab my phone and see what else this thing is going to tell me. So, you know, you can walk through a mall and see QR codes and be like, oh, oh, I like these clothes and hold up your phone. And all of a sudden there's a whole nother world. Uh, obviously a goldmine for marketers who I, I guess are um, a big part of your audience, right? I think your audience is interesting. I think the last time we talked, uh, uh, you, uh, if you don't mind sharing some of the statistics, it's really, my web AR is large. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's people that we don't talk to, right? It's like teachers and local marketers. And as, as you mentioned before, small businesses and people who suddenly can take advantage of this technology and with the QR code say to people, Hey, I've got AR, I've got more content. Uh, which I, I think must must be helping you a lot at this point. Yes, uh, exactly. And uh, it's also about how to change the consumer behavior. But yeah. uh, I agree and a little disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, AR and AI today, it's... Uh, so again, so I see it's like a level by level how people will understand how they can use it. But imagine the ideal point. So what is computer vision? It's uh, For us, it's like a technology. It's going to be like analog autopilot of Tesla. And when you combine with uh, AI, you can get incredible results. Imagine in the future, you have air glasses and you stay in the crosswalk. And you try to go. But system will tell you, stop, because the car from the corner will not stop. And it's not only about entertainment or see a menu or something. It's about our safety. And um, But people will need to see how it works. And after that, we will see incredible changes. But um, I agree with you that today, we educate the market and show them how we can use AR not only just for fun or just for entertainment, but also for business and how we can make a really, really great example. So, you know, it's funny because the first time when I saw it, uh, when we children uh, started to use AR books, 
and it's so fun, so uh, emotional. But when we afterward, parents will get from like the standard book, like traditional book, but children saw it's wrong, it doesn't work. <laughs> and and yes, and it's true, and it's so fun from one hand, and so from another hand, I understand with with all make like when uh, things around us can be more helpful why we need to reject it yeah that's that same metaphor of the the kids with the tvs you know constantly going up to the tv and touching it and expecting it to do things and Mm. when it doesn't it's broken in their mind right because they grew up on ipads and and ios devices and android devices that constantly do that so if it's a screen it has to have that capability so you're making sort of the next the next leap yeah, um, and, yeah. And also what, what is remain is our customers now from the different industries because we are not like in the vertical size we are working from the different industries we have universities we have teachers we have marketings small businesses so different and uh, it's interesting that for example one of the company who starting to work uh, in Germany we produced also digital product, but postcard with AR. And we started just from only 10 postcards for last year. But afterward, we have uh, a line, more than 200 AR postcards and sold from all magazines and shops in Germany. And for me, it means that people not just only starting to do something new, but we're also growing with us and growing with AR technology. And I think that this is the main power because when business will see and understand how it can make like from where more scalable, more successful, it will be combined with consumer new patterns of behavior and we will see the next level. I'm curious if you know the, the answer to this question on your platform, you know, because obviously... You're out there, you've been out there for a while, you're multi-platform, right? So you're on iOS, you're on Android, you're on, yeah. I presume, PC and, and Mac OS, right? So you kind of cover the the spectrum. What is the um, the percentage of, I presume mobile has become the predominant platform, but tell us if it's not. And between Android and iOS, who is using the product more? Do you have sort of percentages of where you know what platform people are using your web AR system and, you know, the build... The, how they're building stuff, what OS and devices are they using it? So because, uh, so from the usual side, um, like from our users, like creator side, people mostly use it on a laptop, of course, because it's just right. more convenient. Because it's like, it's like a Canva or Wix. You don't create your website on mobile, but you usually work from a laptop. And of course, a lot of people uh, usually use it from a laptop. Regarding iOS and Android, um, I don't remember, like, um, honestly, like, <clears throat> it, like a direct figures. Uh, but, for example, I understand we, we have a different audience. So educational audience mostly use it on their uh, Android, like a Chromebook and others, because this is equipment on the schools. But ours... It's like a little same. I think it's it's equal, yeah. So, Anna, we need to wrap up, uh, uh, but it's been great having you here as a guest. Um, Parting shot, anything you want people to know about, uh, Deborah, let's uh, share it before we go off this week. 
So I can say with uh, our passion and our desire to make AR and AI technology really helpful and uh, available for people and from where businesses. And uh, we have a huge experience from the both sides, from the traditional markets and from the technology markets. And if everyone would like to see how it works and how to make it really helpful today and build with us a new amazing world, just come in. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next Friday. Thank you.